welcome to the Irish Left Archive podcast. I'm Inga Story, and with me is Kieran Swan. In this episode, we talk to Bear Grogan. As an activist, Bear was involved with the abortion rights campaign and was a coordinator in Dublin Northwest during the referendum to repeal the Eighth Amendment. She also ran a Shannon campaign for the NUI panel and is currently active in communities against racism. We discuss the abortion referendum campaign and the experience of organising, canvassing, producing campaign material and building community groups and activist networks. We also discuss Bear's Shannon campaign, focused on registering eligible voters, and her involvement in Communities Against Racism, which draws in part on those established community networks. If you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please do subscribe. As ever, we'd be glad to hear any feedback. You can contact us via the website at leftarchive.ie. Um, you'll also find us on Twitter at IE Left Archive. So thanks again to Bear for joining us, and thank you for listening. Thank you very much for joining us. Can we start maybe by asking you about your first experiences of uh, political campaigning and what drew you in? Yeah, thanks so much for, for inviting me on. It's very exciting to be here with you. Um, just thinking about today and, and talking to you and about my kind of activism over the years. The first time actually was in primary school when <laughs> mom was one of the very active members of the St. Margaret's Residence Association and we were fighting the airport for insulation. So St. Margaret's was there for years before the airport. Like the primary school I went to was the same primary school that mom went to and that granddad went to. Um, and, you know, the, the small community, but, but we were there before the airport. So I remember when the airport started getting busier and I think it was building a new runway in the 80s, I want to say mm. I'm telling my age now um we'd be on our way to school in our uniforms me and my little brother and mom and other people going to school and and their parents blocking the roads <laughs> and I have this memory as well of um Mrs Meehan bringing us all like cup of soups you know and then we'd go in and we'd have our, our class for the day and like so mom was really really active in in that campaign and I saw kind of the the importance of communities coming together um, and we all got our, our insulation now they ended up having to redo it because obviously the um the airport is so busy again but like you'd be out in the garden and you wouldn't be able to talk you wouldn't be able to have a conversation um you know so that was yeah god that was like primary school days and it was only a couple of years ago um they had a meeting down at the white house about the new the third runway that they were building mm-hmm. And someone had like an old newspaper article from again the eighties, um, and it's a picture of us school kids, you know, blocking the roads and that. So yeah, so I don't think I was going to have much choice. Um, but then, then I kind of always was involved in in volunteering, and I organised my own um, Christmas food hamper event. Um, it's actually called the Dublin Bass Brigade. And it's one of those things where you're not sure every year if it's going to happen. But then you have a group of people that are like, ah, let's do it, you know. And, and we like we raise around five grand and we'll do between 100 and 200 food hampers and, and link in with different charities or, or people that, that need them. So I've always kind of had that bit of, you know, the civic engagement side of things and, and wanting to, to reach out to others. Um, and then that, then I went off to... Um, oh, when I worked in, so my background is in in charities and I worked with young homeless people and I worked with ex-offenders um, coming out into the community and having community supports. And I saw the kind of importance of, of linking with 
policymakers and politicians and, and funders. Um, so that kind of interest kicked in there. Um, mm. And there were a couple of things like the um, marriage equality campaign that I can, I remember being like, oh, this is grand. Like, of course, no one is going to vote against this and it'll be fine. And then watching one of the debates and myself and mom was living at home at the time because mm. I couldn't afford to rent. Um, myself and mom sitting there and we were like, oh, we better actually do something, you know. So got involved with a bit of canvassing around Finglas and, and the local area and did a few bits and pieces in town. But um, it was it was one of those things that when I did some door to door canvas and kind of getting the fear of that this might not, you know, it was 50 50 on the doors. Um, and obviously, oh. the yes, equality. Yeah, no, around Finglas. Really? Yeah, no, it was it was terrifying. And everyone was like the, the no's or the, the maybe no's we're talking about. But what about the kids? Yeah, because I was working in the doll at the time, I knew about all of the, the legislation. And I was mm. like, well, that's actually the children and families relationships bill. That's not what you're voting on. But also, anyway, kids just need love um, from yeah. parents, you know, so Big having team. those. Yeah. So having those kind of conversations um, geared me up then for I was uh, uh, involved in the 2016 general elections uh, to try and help get my boss um re-elected mm. so from the kind of the activism on the ground to the knocking on the doors to trying to pull the leaflets and, and materials together yeah you know, I kind of got quite a holistic view of it all and then also working and volunteering directly with people who were at the most marginalized end of, of society and who you know find it really or there's so many barriers put in mm. the way for them to to you know even accessing the medical cards or, or payments or supported housing, counselling, you know, so wanting to be an advocate as well kind of kicked in. It's weird. I don't know what was the the one moment or whatever, but the one of the biggest things for me was nine years ago now, um, I travelled to the UK for an abortion um, mm. and or was forced to travel at that time I suppose because we could, didn't have healthcare at home um, and I'll remember the secrecy and the shame around that time so that was what 2011 now I obviously I'm, I'm very lucky and I know I'm one of the privileged ones like mom is is amazing um, and I had told her and she insisted on, on coming with me and you know I had close friends that I told at the time you know and it was yeah. I wasn't afraid to tell that kind of close circle but I remember, you know, in work, I'm like, oh, popping away for the weekend. And it's like, oh, have a great weekend. And, yeah, go shopping with mom in England. Like, me and mom don't go shopping in, in Dublin. You know, we go, to, <laughs> we go to protests. We go to marches. Mom was, you know, at all of the, the right to water marches. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was that thing of, yeah, we're just popping over to, to England. So that shame and secrecy, and I've actually... Facebook memories is a mad thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you go in now and I've seen some of my older posts about abortion and repeal where I'm like, oh, sorry, everybody. And I know this is really divisive and oh, but please, please. And then to, to see how overwhelming, you know, the, the support for repeal was, yeah. I don't know where that kind of thing of, you know, it's such a divisive issue and it's, you know, it's, it's 50 50. It was never. It hasn't been like that for a long time, I don't think. But as someone who traveled, it was one of those things. I was like, oh, God, I couldn't tell anyone that I've had an abortion because they'd, you know, I'd be 
um, I'd be cast out and, yeah. and not spoken to, or you know, they they think I was awful, and it was yeah. So it was. Um, it's terrible. Yeah, and like, but again, I felt like I knew it was one hundred percent the best mm. thing for me. Mm. Um, never regretted it, and and I had some savings. So like, I think the whole thing cost a bit of grand, you know, with the flights and, and getting over. Um, so again, I knew I was in such a privileged position yeah. that I was able to fly. You know, I had the rights to, to fly to England that I had mom coming yeah. with me. Um, and the, yeah, just that thing then of, of coming back and, and trying to act normal, you know, or people are having kind of discussions and debates around you and, and you know, the 12 a day, 12 a day you're traveling and you're like, you know, speaking about these, these pregnant people in the abstract and I'd be sitting there being like, but, but too scared. sorry, I'm just wave, waving my hand up, you know, I forget, I forget about the podcast thing. Um, but too afraid to tell people for, for a long time. And it was only after the 2015 Mm. I went to the abortion rights campaign March for Choice and that was the year that Tara Flynn had spoken out um, or may, it might have been the year before I think she originally spoke at an electric picnic mm. she was MC um, at the Garden Remembrance and Roshan Ingle the journalist had spoke you know so the women were, were coming forward mm. and saying you know we, we are everywhere you know you, you know us yeah. uh, you just might not know and I found that March really really emotional um, and just, it took me a year then still to get involved in, in the abortion rights campaign. I kept thinking, I was like, I must, I must contact them. I must contact them. Um, and you know, they obviously need help in organizing the marches and putting up the posters and, you know, assuming there was like a big cool office of paid staff that were doing all of this <laughs> and then going to the first, they used to have, um, monthly open meetings in Dublin and it was just yeah just a call for anyone who wanted to go and get involved and, and they talked about the different structures and the working groups um my first arc opened me and it was the August 2016 and what they did was so they talked through everything and then they'd have a, a part where you'd split into groups and come up with chants for the march okay. um, just to try and get a bit of energy going around mm -hmm. the march and to try and uh, encourage people to sign up to volunteer as a steward or then you might be you know you might be one of the people with a megaphone and, and leading the march so we were all split up into little groups and there, there were the usual you know get your rosaries off my ovaries and um whose body my body and what's the other one not the church not the state women must decide our faith yeah um or one that i really liked was um pro-life that's a lie you don't care if women die um but to prove to you my lack of creativity, the one that I came up with first was, and this is this was going from my time in the doll as well, and something that used to said a lot there was, it's not the elephant in the room, it's none of your business what I do with my womb. Hmm. And I just remember the group's been like, okay, fair, yes, a little, little bit long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> not sure we'll get the momentum <laughs> going behind that and that's when I was like my expertise is in the operational side of things I need to bring it back to the logistics and the lists and you know that kind of organizing stuff because 
the creativity <laughs> around slogans. Yeah, that, that was. Not yeah. there. Yeah, but sorry. So it was actually the year before that, after the first March that I went to, mm. and I hadn't been at the two previous to that because I, I spent a year in, in Toronto in Canada. Um, I spoke to my mom and, and my brother and mm. said, I'm thinking about sharing my story just on Facebook with, mm. with my Facebook friends and asking them how they felt about that and mm. would it have any impact on them and their friends and their workplaces mm. um, and talking to them about that thing of, you know, we're not faceless women and pregnant people. We, we are, someone knows someone, you know, yeah. it, we're all going through it like across the country um, across the ages and, and mom and, and my brother were both really, really supportive. Um, and I put up this, really kind of tentative post long post on, on Facebook about um, my experience and again you know that I was lucky enough to, to travel and that I didn't regret it at all yeah. um, but you know that there are people who can't afford to travel or who are taking safe but illegal abortion pills and then been afraid you know having a 14 year jail sentence hanging over them so I was really learning a lot more about everything that was going on and I put that post up and pressed, pressed, you know, post and kind of, so I was shaken. I was honestly like, it's, it's such a, um, a, a visceral kind of reaction to it, it, it. Is everyone going to disown me now, you know, or, or unfriend me or, and I had said, I was like, if you want to unfriend me or stop talking to me, that's, that's completely fine. But this is something that I feel strongly mm. about. Um, and I had also said, you know, if you know anyone going through a crisis pregnancy or that's wondering, like send them on to me, I'll happily talk them through, mm. you know, the, the steps that I had to go through and, 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 and how I found things and whether they decided to go through with the pregnancy or not. Because mm. that's for me, that was always the, the big, that's what pro-choice is, you know, you, you give the support and the information and then you support the person in, in their decision. Yeah. Um, and the reaction was unreal. Oh, everyone all positive absolutely all positive absolutely. yeah overwhelmingly so and about so I think it's okay because I have quite a few Facebook friends so it's okay to share this but at the time 10 female friends contacted me privately and separately right. to tell me about their own abortions right yeah that yeah. they had either never told anyone or only their mom had known um and sometimes people still contact me now to, to tell me about their abortions that they, they, they haven't spoken out about or they don't feel that they can. Um, so I definitely felt yeah. a sense of responsibility, I suppose. Like I, I chose to speak out and to share my story, but um, I felt that like I'm in a safe space to do that. I, you know, I have the yeah. support of, of my mom and brother and I'm willing to, to speak out so that, you know, if, if people aren't comfortable to do that. But um, yeah, oh, it was, but it just made me more determined then yeah. to, to get really involved. When I have finally got involved, they're all volunteers. Even still now, like, I don't know. So the, the virtual, it'll be a virtual March for Choice this mm. year, um, the end of September. Mm. Um, but all volunteers and just the passion and drive and skills and support and non-hierarchical, you know, they have put um, structures in place for very much, you know, inclusive decision making. If you had an idea, it's like, great, off you go. You mm -hmm. know, that's, you, you can look after that now. Yeah. So 
there was none of the, you know, and you get that sometimes with activism where someone will be like, oh, we should do this. And then it just sits there and never gets done. Yeah. Um, mm. It was very much a, 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 um, a culture of if you have something like that that you want to do, you know, go go and do it. And obviously, you know, feeding into within the the, um, the principles and the values of, of ARC. So obviously ARC are trans inclusive, sex worker inclusive. Yeah. Um, we tried as much as possible to use inclusive language in, in our literature. Um, obviously then there's a whole other thing when we move into Together for Yes and some of the criticisms around that, but ARC very much was grassroots, um, huge amount of uh, LGBT activists in mm. it as well, um, anarchists, feminists, you know, people that have been involved in activism for, for years and years, but just an amazing positive uh, force. It's, it's like you always felt energized and buzzed after a meeting and really felt like you could make a difference. Mm. Um, and any times I'd be tired, particularly, you know, leaving after the doll on a, on a Monday night or something, yeah. you know, and be so tired walking down to the offices in Outhouse down in Capel Street. And you could be there for a couple of hours and then you just leave absolutely, you know, reinvigorated. Yeah. And, you know, just, yeah, no, there really are. And I, I, I've taken a step back from it the last year, but it's, mm. it's been one of the best things I've ever done in my life, getting involved with the abortion rights campaign. It's non-party, it was non-party political from the off as well, wasn't that correct? So Yeah, and we were kind of seen as, you know, two on the fringes. Mm. Um, you know, there was the Coalition to Repeal the Eighth, which had members from all of the different groups, mm. uh, like Terminations for Medical Reasons, reasons um rosa you know some political parties and, and political um personalities I, I suppose would all come in under the the coalition mm. and, and attend the meetings there but it was the arc the abortion rights campaign march you know the the march for choice was was us and from oh my god like it's so been so weird this summer not helping organize it like we would start months in advance talking about who, who, what speakers you wanted. Yeah. Trying to make sure you had kind of a range of voices, um, a range of experience. The sound system um, and the stage, the last couple of years, we tried to have an accessibility um, raised area as well. Um, you know, the volunteering, uh, the stewards and legal observers, um, coming up then with the the design and stuff so mm. actually yeah so i don't know if you saw um for culture oh. night culture night so the digital repository ireland had a culture at risk digitally preserving the referendum on the eighth amendment oh, yeah, um, and it's still yeah it's still on their website so i had signed up to to link in with it and to watch it um but they have it on, on the website and linda Kavanagh is is on it speaking about um the design side of things from the abortion mm -hmm. rights campaign and together for yes but yeah no it was, it was brilliant and she made a point where you know in the early days the poster designs and stuff were about you know just about the poster but then we re they realized that the t-shirts sold really well so she they would try and design them so that it looked would look good as a t-shirt uh -huh. wouldn't have dates and stuff on it and then that's where kind of the material came from because the the t-shirts were a big fundraising tool for for arc um i've so many so many in there and um, <laughs> even sitting here with my reveal yeah. jumper it's like i'm still wearing them you know um 
But I thought that was really interesting that yeah. when they started thinking about the design for the marches, it was the focus on on the merch stuff mm. first, so on the t-shirt. Um, nice, okay. Brainstorming sessions and like that, just brilliant people giving their time for free, you know. And obviously there were so, so obviously twenty sixteen was rise and repeal because it was taken from you know the the hundred years nineteen sixteen. Mm. Um, twenty seventeen was was time to act. Um, and it was like a, a an egg timer where the sand is like little people with pa- placards, just so oh. clever, you know, really, really clever. Um, but like that, that would be, you know, there'd be lots of conversations and meetings about um, the the design and the messaging, the logistics of everything, getting the buses for regional groups because we didn't want it to be Dublin centric. We mm. were always very conscious, like obviously the March for Choice happened here, but you know, we could subsidize buses and, and link in with the regional groups. Um, but yeah, like the days of, because we couldn't afford to get proper posters printed, we had donated old curry board and then we had the posters printed and we would sellotape them and staple them to the curry board. So there could be a week of evenings and there might've been eight or 10 of us. We'd have a bit of music on, a bit of chat, and you would be stapling and sellotaping it. And then there was the logistics of organizing people to put up. Yeah. And sorry, dressing the posters as well with the cable ties. Like it was just this hive of activity and of determination, you know, really, really, they're just absolutely brilliant people. And um they yeah, they're just they're just the best people. They really are. How much time was this taking? Like, I mean, it just sounds so hands-on, like from beginning to end. It was kind of like any project, I suppose, really, where there were kind of clear timelines of, of when certain parts had to be done. Mm. Um, and the, the the great thing with ARC as well was there was huge support amongst the activists. And if you needed to step back for some reason or you had something else going on, there was never any judgment. You would have your own activist guilt about not making it in, you know, which I think is something, yeah, we've all, we've all been there um, too much probably, but the, there was never any that, you know, so it was very much, if you had more time, you could have been there all day, every day, you know, if, if there were some people, you know, maybe students and, and or working part-time, um, people on maternity leave, you know, like it was, you'd, you'd say like, oh, I can give whatever amount of hours, um, so like on the normal kind of day-to-day, day-to-day running of I was in the partnerships and outreach sub working group and we used to have monthly meetings. Um, and But then we'd have our tasks after each meeting that, that we'd be going off to do. And, and that kind of grew into developing the canvassing training. Um, that was towards the end of 2017. We had a couple of meetings with, with some regional groups that weren't clear about canvassing and, and, and what they were going to do. And because some of us had experience in canvassing with, with politicians or with political mm-hmm. groups um, or been involved in kind of door-to-door stuff from different activism, um, we started talking to people who were involved in marriage equality. Oh, and okay. Yeah, because they had like, they were such a machine, you know, during, what was that, 2015? Like it yeah. was... It was, there were so many people out canvassing all the time, yeah. yeah. Um, so myself and Sarah Monaghan and some of the others were having these meetings, trying to gather all of that information. And I think it was that Christmas, the end of 
2017 that we started working on a, a canvassing guide as well. Um, so at that point, none of the comms language stuff for the actual referendum was in place or agreed. Yeah. Um, so we were working off a, an ARC, an abortion rights campaign canvassing document, um, kind of myth busting stuff. And, mm. you know, they say, we say, um, tips about, you know, just being a big happy head when you're knocking on people's doors and, and stuff like that. And, and we, which is what I love, you know, just knocking on a stranger's door and like, hey, yeah. talk to me. For yeah. you. Do you want to hear about my abortion? Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh my God. I was uh, like, I yeah, I was so sick of talking about it um, that it's obviously taken me a while now. I'm like, oh yeah, I can talk about it again. Yeah. Um, but we, the, it was the abortion rights campaign that we're, we're doing that kind of stuff and obviously the coalition and termination for medical reasons and other groups were doing their own bits and pieces you know and and then the the kind of bigger scale conversations were happening about who would make up together for yes and um you know the different kind of strands that that i, I wasn't involved in that you know that was the there were certain people in in the abortion rights campaign that were linking into those conversations um, so I was helping develop the, the canvas and training. There were some right. of us working on that. Yeah. And we had like a pilot at the end of January, middle of January, 2018, with a room full of activists from all over the country. It was absolutely amazing. It was just brilliant. And, and that's one of the things about COVID, you know, it's like, it was so good to have us all in one room. You know, people having their lunch together and tea, yeah. sharing stories and sharing expertise and, and making contacts. It was actually that day that Fingal, um, uh, the abortion rights campaign, Fingal or Fingal together. For, Fingal, what were they called actually? Because I know they were Fingal together for yes, but this was before together for yes. So mm. th that's when they set up mm. um, and they were like, oh, you're from Fingal, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, but I live in Dublin Northwest. Um, and I had already gotten involved in Dublin Northwest repeal at that stage, so yeah. I, was, I, I was doing both. Um, yeah, so it was just having us all in the room and getting that feedback from people, and people just starting to feel equipped and, and ready. We were very, we definitely had itchy feet to get out on the doors. We were definitely aware of the ground that needed to be covered, um, and that financially what we didn't think that we would have been able to compete with with the anti-choice side at all really? uh, oh god yeah well we really? knew like yeah yeah sure they had well they had sermons you know they had the priests mm. talking about it particularly when like the citizens assembly and stuff was going on like oh, yeah. Yeah. you know they had already started all of that the main things we had were the march for choice and the women's day marches um, and then I can't, do you know what? I can't even remember what year the jumpers, the repeal jumpers came out. Um, was it 2016, maybe? I think it could have been, yeah. They're so yeah. iconic. And, and it's funny now looking back, I mean, we'll have to put this in show notes, but just looking back, and it's just, it bring, you know, it's like, it just brings you to that point in time, doesn't it? Just seeing you there with that on. Uh, yeah, and like I, I love wearing it, and it's like you're not afraid to wear it anymore. So before the the referendum, uh, any of the the t-shirts or the the jumpers and stuff, you were wearing them, knowing that it was going to annoy some people. Like we we considered ourselves walking posters, mm. you know. Um, and actually, one of the women in the that 
the Digital Repository Ireland thing uh, for Culture Night, she is their archive and all of the artists' campaign to repeal mm. the eighth, all of their stuff. And one of their things that they made was the badge that said, want to talk to me about repeal. And we all wanted one of them because we, we wanted people to approach us because we knew there were the hardline knows who you were never going to talk to, you were never going to change their mind. That was fine. Mm. And then there was a lot of people that didn't think about it from, from day to day if they mm. hadn't been affected by it or if they didn't know someone um, mm. and who had questions. So, you know, those badges of them walking around and like, yeah, just the little nod to each other if you pass someone else with a repeal jumper or yeah. I still get so happy when I see the, the repeal bumper stickers or the Together for Yes bumper stickers on cars <laughs> and I remember in 2018 I'd be like waving at them and just that kind of sense of you're, you're not on your own and, and there are a lot of us I think that that visual representation of, of what you stand for is, is really important um yeah. You were saying about like how on the canvassing side, you know, I had to have your happy head on when you go to a door, which I think is actually very good advice for everybody doing canvassing. And many of the time someone's been canvassing and we a million miles away from that. Was there other things that like just generally like pointers and guidelines that you thought were really helpful in terms that you guys developed in terms of? Well, there were so many things that like. So some of us have, you know, knocked on doors for, for politicians or, mm. you know, um, or it was part of our job or whatever. I remember during 2016 telling people on the doors, you know, that if my boss lost his seat, I would lose my job. So I was like, a vote for him is a vote for me. You know, but also he wasn't in any of the kind of contentious um, parties yeah. because that was around the time of the water charges and everything. Mm. So he was the right to change person. Um so that was, you know, trying to get that out on the doors as well. And, and when you've been, you know, nearly begging people for, for your job on the doors and then next of all, you're, you're begging people for, for rights as well. Um, but simple things like don't leave a leaflet sticking out of the letterbox because that annoys people yeah. because they think it makes it, some people think it makes it look like there's nobody home mm. and they're more likely to get broken into. Close on the gate behind you. Even, and you'd be walking out going, was the gate closed or not? I can't remember because you're just in and out of all the houses and just, just close it. You're better off just closing it. I remember one day I pressed the doorbell and it got stuck, the actual bell, and it just kept ringing. And oh. I was just standing there and like, the per- yeah, the person came out and said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, oh my God. And it, they were just laughing at me because of my reaction. You know, there's like, they're people and they're generally really polite, you know, Irish people answering the doors really were unless they were hardcore um you know we we did get a like there was at least one in when i say incident i mean like some something not nice that was said to at least one of us on every campus um but just those little things of yeah and knocking the door and being being a smiley head as they're coming towards the door so they're already like who is this smiley person at my door and, and, and what do they want and Obviously, some people, sometimes people have signs up saying, you know, the kids asleep, please don't knock, you know, so respect and things like that. Um, or I don't know, you have probably, I don't know if you have talked about this before, but loads of people have the no junk mail mm. sign on their letterboxes. But political literature technically isn't junk mail. So there, there've been a few of those as well, where, and even in, in my old job in, in the office with, with quarterly newsletters and stuff, 
you know, you'd get phone calls, oh, I don't want this muck, it says, you know, junk mail. And then you're like, well, actually, political literature isn't junk mail. Junk mail is really, you know, like your takeaway menus and yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. But this is a, an information. And they're like, take me off the list. And you're thinking there's 60,000, <laughs> you know, households in the constituency. You know, they're not going to just not knock on your door, you know, for yeah. like the grand scheme of things. But we did get that sometimes. But if they said... Um, some people had the ones that said posted letters only as well. Mm -hmm. So if they said that, I did tend to, to respect that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But also we, because we weren't leafleting, we had literature with us as we were knocking on doors. Um, I would encourage it something we started to do in Dublin or West is writing, sorry, we missed you and the date just on it so that they knew actual humans had been around. Now I have since realized that apparently politicians do that anyway, even if they don't knock. Um, but when we were doing her mom used to be sitting at home then and she'd have like a big pile of the Dublin Northwest um, uh, canvas and leaflets and she'd be sitting, she'd spend an evening sitting writing, sorry we missed you on all of them. Oh. So she had them ready to go. Because we started canvassing in the February and it was cold mm. and it was dark and we canvassed in the snow. Um, you know, there were a lot of people that joined kind of the campaign, you know, in the last couple of weeks in May when it was glorious sunshine. Mm. And, it, you know, there were loads of us and there was a great buzz, but but we were we were out in, in the snow in, in the yeah. February. Um, and we were also keeping the, um, the canvas data, you know, so we had, we were trying to keep a tally of where we were going. So, well, that was, I suppose, that was when together for yes, when when the headquarters started up, you know. So mm. we were trying to look at kind of trends and stuff, and um, a lot of people weren't opening their doors then as well. You'd kind of sometimes get half the doors not not open, and you'd see them sitting inside watching the telly. <laughs> you'd be like, I want to be at home watching the telly, but we have reproductive rights to fight for here. <laughs> so, yeah, gosh. Did did the mood change on the doorstep? It was really interesting because it was obviously so personal to me mm. and mm. and that's why I, I felt bad about not having been more involved in marriage equality because I because I, I, I could see if, if you were a gay person during mm. marriage equality and you know so I could see how personal it was and I felt bad for not being a better ally at that time even though I did a, a little bit mm. um, and there were loads of activists out with us who had been involved in, in marriage equality who were supporting repeal who you know were still only coming out of of, of the trauma and exhaustion yeah. of marriage equality and we're right back in a hundred percent um you know for repeal and, and doing everything they could um and we were like the canvassers and the people who were absolutely brilliant my, my favorite people ever uh, i absolutely adore them and i'm still really good friends with so many of them mm. but on every canvas, like the range of, so you never knew, you could never guess how someone was going to, to um, react, you know, like an older man coming out. Actually, the older men around Fingless and all and Dublin Northwest were absolutely brilliant. So yeah. many of them were like, oh yeah, like it's disgraceful. And, you know, and as well on every canvas, there was at least one, at least one, usually more heartbreaking stories, yeah. like older women, just silently grabbing your hand, the tears welling up in their eyes, and you just knew they had stories. I'm actually getting a bit emotional thinking about it again. Um, the people who were like, absolutely yes, the people who thanked you, like just, just like 
overwhelming gratitude for us putting ourselves out on the doors. It was, they were the people that we chose to focus on rather than the one or two who, who you know, called us horrible names. Mm. Um, and then there were like some lovely, again, some lovely, because there, there's quite an older population around Finglas as well. And I was one of the canvas leads for here, which is why I, I, I did a lot of this mm. area. Um, conversations with older women who you know were like I really want to vote yes but the church you know and they were really torn um and having some really really brilliant deep conversations with people on the door and that's why I started you know was sharing my story on, on the door with people as well because again they had this abstract idea of like a young girl going out and getting drunk and um, you, you know we know there's loads of different reasons for for abortions and but even telling people like well actually over the half of the women been forced to travel to England at the moment are already mams you know so it's about them deciding about their own family numbers for themselves or you know just or, or like that you know if the person thought that they didn't know anyone who'd had an abortion and I'd be like well now you know me and and, and you're just reiterating those points of I was lucky and mom would be on the doors and if it was someone who was around a mom age mm. she was telling people that she traveled to Birmingham with me and that there were clearly other Irish women there by themselves with their bags and that she felt so helpless and she wanted to just hug them and mind them while she was waiting for me in the clinic yeah. my brother got involved he was knocking on the doors with us um and any time he got, and it was usually men felt more comfortable to say to him, they'd say things like, oh, well, they'll just use it as a form of contraception or, you know, they'll just whatever. And he'd be like, well, my sister is actually, you know, quite an intelligent um, woman and, you know, like, you know, and kind of talk to them a bit about me. And he was like, you, you can't, you just never know and you can't make those judgments. So it was really a family affair going around <laughs> knocking on the doors. But we... There was also people involved in 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 Dublin Northwest who were sharing their their own stories, um, who were maybe having trouble conceiving at the time, and who were going through IVF, and who were talking about their stories, like the bravery of of people knocking on the doors. Um, was just it was just huge, and the support then at the end of each canvas, everyone was checking in with everyone. On Saturdays, we had started saying, instead of asking if anyone wanted to go for a coffee, the canvas lead used to just say, we're going for a coffee to whatever cost it in the village or wherever it was, like if anyone wants to come along. And people always would because it was, you either had the upsetting conversations with, with people who had been through stuff themselves, like talking to men whose, whose wives had died years ago, um, people who'd been abused by the church. Like it was really... You know, and then also that some people who were saying horrible things. So that kind of debrief, um, informal support at, at the end and check in was was really really important. But we also this is one of the things I when I was thinking about today and thinking about you guys, um, so in Dublin Northwest we obviously were were together for yes and, and we were going along with messaging and and we were like my co convener um. Is it, she was my referendum wife. I remember at one point she was like, I'm messaging, I'm talking to you more than I'm talking to my husband. We were constantly in contact because she's one of my closest friends now. But um, together for Yes, we're producing the leaflets 
um, and we would go into HQ and collect as many as we needed and then the, the canvas leads would we'd make sure everyone had their materials for the start of the canvas. But for our last leaflet drop, we decided for one side, I know we're on a podcast so you can't see it, but for one side of the leaflet, so the back was like Peter Boylan and Rona Mahoney because studies were shown that people really trusted doctors. Mm. But on the other side, we put our pictures from our canvases and we said, we are your neighbours, your family, your friends. Please vote yes with us on May 25th. And then we had the, the language of yes for care, yes for compassion, yes for change, yes for the women you love. And they were the pictures of us, like big groups of us in the sun, outside, you know, one of the community centres, outside Super Value down in the village. So we decided to personalise it in that way, you know, that like they'd be looking at the photos, they might recognise us, or they might even remember the day we went canvassing in around their, their area. So that was our, our last leaflet drop that we did. And we had decided, so terminations for medical reasons, um, they're the families that get the, the diagnosis of fatal fetal abnormality who still have to travel by the way a lot of them fall outside the legislation now and are still forced to travel in the most tragic circumstances um they had produced a leaflet as well with some of their kind of just heartbreaking testimonials so as it was getting closer to the date we knew how powerful this leaflet was as well. Um, so we and we had done some of our own fundraising, so we had um, given them a, a donation to get them. And then the In Her Shoes booklet. I don't know if you remember. So they've actually done a book now with the In Her Shoes stories. Um, In Her Shoes again was something that we felt very, very strongly about the, the stories that were shared on, on that platform. Mm. So out of our own money in Dublin Northwest, because we've had a pub quiz in the February and raised over two grand. So we were we were in a really good position as one of the, the Dublin groups mm. with our funds. So we bought um, or made a donation for a, a load of the Inner Shoes booklets. And we were using these, but we had all agreed that they were too... Um, they were too sensitive to just stick in someone's letterbox. So we only gave these to people who were wanted to vote yes, but needed that extra bit of conversation or needed that extra bit of um, reassurance, hmm. I suppose, that it was the right thing to do. So when we had someone who was kind of what we felt was on the cusp, that was our judgment call as canvassers to hand them that and to tell them they were like we're not dropping these in letterboxes not everyone is getting one of these please please read them and look at their facebook page um and that was something like so many people have said that that was such a, a, an important tool for them i was listening to your podcast with orla egan but that was absolutely brilliant and and i was thinking That's that amazing. i was like she's amazing and she's so right and the work that she's done on putting together the, the archive of the yeah. lgbt history in, in cork so much of this was in our heads yeah like our whatsapp messages our facebook groups um you know the the yeah the, the messages and, and the group messages and stuff that like decisions were being made and the focus was just on you know the day the result get get it over the line um and then exhaustion hit and we kind of knew i remember being in the in Together for Yes HQ after the referendum and we were kind of sorting stuff out into piles because mm. someone was taking stuff somewhere to be archived and you know it was like oh history and 
like that was that was there in the back of my head somewhere but it's only since listening to your podcast again and then the culture night thing um recently and some some friends have written pieces um about that whole time uh, my friend Mary Coogan wrote a really beautiful long piece which we actually got uh, a friend of ours made it into a book for her for her 40th in, in May yeah um it was just really like I, I still feel emotional talking about it now of course yeah um and it's really weird you'd think that that would be have lifted so like the first anniversary didn't uh, it, I think that's when the, the trauma hit, but mm. it was also, you know, the local elections day and the European oh, yeah. elections day. And yeah, um, and the left took such a hit during those local elections. It was so disappointing. Um, so the first anniversary, I didn't even, yeah, it just wasn't, it didn't feel celebratory at all. Mm. Um, it was also when a lot of the criticisms kind of, took on a, a new life of their own about the Together for Yes campaign and a lot of it was was been directed at, at ARC as well. Um, so it was only this year, kind of around April, May and the, the anniversary this year that was much nicer and it actually felt, and I think when we saw the numbers that, you know, 6,666, what a perfect number. <laughs> what a perfect number to drive the other side mad. Like 6,666 pregnant people accessed abortions here in Ireland. Um, we couldn't have made it up. Like we couldn't. <laughs> but, you know, so there were, um, there were re maybe more reasons to, to say. And again, we know that it, it's like, it's, it's still not good enough and there are still people been left behind. And I've seen recently the last couple of weeks an activist in Sligo um, has started up a new campaign because there's no GPs offering uh, abortion Sligo. access in Sligo. You know, like it, it shouldn't be a, a, a lottery, a postcode lottery. Yeah. Were you surprised on the day with the results? Did it oh. surprise you in any ways? I mean... So the poll the night before. Mm, yeah, the poll. Oh my God. So a lot of my friends were in ARC and were in Together for Yes HQ, but I had made the decision to stay out with Dublin Northwest. Um, so I had my Dublin Northwest family and my ARC family and the night of the poll, the, sorry, the day of the vote, we ended up having to call the guards three times because of the abuse we were getting. Um, there was a guy... Uh, we got some death threats in Ballymun. We got, we actually had to pull the stall from from Ballymun because the, these people were were so angry. Um, the, just there was only two of them, but they were. It, it was making that call about the health and safety of of the campsters and, and the volunteers. Um, and apparently, then the turnout was low. So I got a call from HQ that evening. I think we I think we pulled at about seven, and we went to the pub. Mm. Um, you know, at that point, it was like, we're, we, we've done. And that was the first day that I felt we're going to win this because everyone was flocking over to us in the village, in, uh, in Fingless Village, for the I Voted stickers. People were bringing us pizzas and ice creams. And, you know, again, so we had to call the guards three times for like three isolated small incidents. But the overwhelming support and warmth um and gratitude from from the majority of people around Finglas was just gorgeous. And that was the first day I let myself think we, we, we won. Um, I still thought it was going to be like 51, 49. Mm -hmm. um, and the poll came in that night and my co-convener called me 
in tears. I was like, no, it's only a poll. No, no, it's only a poll. Don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it until we see the votes. I'm not going to believe it until we see the ballots. And so then I made her, and she's like, but the uh, margin of error is only like 1% or 3% or something. She's like, so even in that, I was like, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> until I see those ballot boxes been opened, I am not. And then friends from Together for SHQ uh, video called me crying and they're all hugging and crying. And I was like, no, 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 no. So I felt sick the next day going in. I was... Um, one of the guys actually involved in Finnafall here in, in Dublin Art Rest had uh, kindly agreed to look after the tally for mm. us because we all know Finnafall are tally men, you know. Yes. Um, so he had done out all the tally sheets and, and stuff like that. So and I had our passes. Um, so that morning, it, there was that kind of nervous excitement and positivity. And I was like, this is instead of us fighting for every single vote which is what I thought it was going to come down to you know the spoiled votes the spoiled votes and things it was more about just reconfirming the the poll and then the boxes started being opened and we were getting some boxes 80 90 percent yes and I was doing the runner you know from like the the people tallying down to the area where all the the tally heads were with their computers and i just kept, i was running down and then i was see i'm actually getting goosebumps even thinking about it again seeing everyone from the campaigns and this was across the board and you know because obviously we were in the rds so it was you know so the dublin um constituencies or some of the dublin constituencies and everyone was having the same kind of thing and it was like it's still too early you know and then we started asking about down the country and what sort of results were being seen there and when we were told that you know it was across the board yeah. you know that the, that everywhere was coming in with over 50 yeah. percent that's when the tears and everything started um and it's it's like this blur of um we were we were quite a rowdy bunch and I think we finished our tally first. So we all started, well, someone started shouting Dublin Art West together for yes, Dublin Art West chanting this. And next of all, we're all kind of around each other, bouncing around, and myself and my, my co-convener, we were kind of in the middle of all this. And then there was one point where like, there's her and her mom and, and me and, and my mom and Sean, my brother's in the background and, and all the, because we had blue, light blue high-vis vests. Um, just like bouncing around the place and of course all the media and all the cameras came over and there was no official results in <laughs> and we were all celebrating because it was that thing of even if the tally is a bit out you know it's it's still a landslide like Dublin North West was 73.1 percent yes um and it was the more kind of um kind of the well-off areas of the constituency some of them that were that were lower um you know our our thingless areas and and I, I know the turnout wasn't great in in some of the areas but it but it was good um compared to like general election or local election turnouts um and yeah it was just that so we're actually the picture of the four of us the five of us is actually on the front of the it's a yes book really? um, i think it was in the indoor it, it, people the next day people were sending me shots of what they're like is that you and friends in toronto and germany been like i think that's you and your mom there and you know so because the media were just mm. everywhere and some of the people working on the tally said they had never ever ever been at a tally where there were so many women and young women 
the, or sorry, at the count, the, the, so the actual official count people saying they had never seen so many young women and women tallying um, and just the relief. And of course we celebrated. I remember like the last couple of days them talking about Tom Gleason and it's not a celebration and blah, blah, blah. It was, it was a celebration <laughs> because we deserved it. We earned it. We did it for Savita. We did it for the tens of thousands of, of women and pregnant people who've had to travel. You know, we thought about the, the women in the Magdalene homes, the mother and baby, you know, like we, it was, that was, that was pushing us always. Um, and that it needed to end and that abortion was happening. You're just forcing people to go to England or to take abortion pills at home. So that, the, 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 the was, there was joy. So where have you moved on from uh, repeal? Um, so I stayed involved in, in ARC um, after 2018 um, for another year or so because um, we were organising the, the March for Choice that September. Um, and like that, you know, people would be saying, oh, but we won and, and what are you doing? Um, but we didn't have legislation at that point. Um, so we had the Free Safe Legal was the theme that year, I think. And I remember Simon Harris and Fine Gael marching behind the main banner and like we were chanting, you know, we want free, safe, legal abortion. And he was uh, apparently someone overheard him like, oh, I'm, I'm doing it or whatever, you know, but we, we knew the legislation wasn't ideal. Uh, we knew it was going to leave people behind. So we were working on kind of our own submissions and, and lobbying around that kind of stuff. Um, and then it was that, that summer, and at that march, people started saying to me about me running for Shannon as the repeal Ronan candidate. All right. <laughs> people were not happy with Ronan, Ronan Mullen. Um, and I kind of got caught up in that wave of positivity, I suppose, after the repeal referendum, the need to have strong pro-choice voices in the Dáil and the Shannon because knowing that once it was out of the constitution and in legislation it meant it was always politicians were always going to have the power to change the, the legislation um, and that was that's something that ARC have obviously always tried to, to get that message out even in the last election and stuff so so I ran a wee bit of a Shannon campaign um, I focused on registration and my Branding stuff was around based off the repeal um, jumpers. So I had contacted Anna Cosgrave and asked her if that was okay. And I had register mm. in like white letters and the, the black background. Um, but unlike that, that most of the people who got involved in, in my campaign team, you know, there were only a few of us, but they were the, our, our heads or, or Dublin Northwest heads. Um, I, yeah, I was focusing on, on registering people. So that um, I think was the December I launched my website and my campaign and my GoFundMe and stuff because obviously I was going to run as an independent on the NUI panel, um, which meant that, you know, people from universities, UCD, um, UCC, Maynooth and stuff like that could, could have voted for me. And usually there's a really poor turnout for them. Mm. Ronan Mullen's campaign in, in previous years had been really well organized. Um, apparently there's a lot of priests in nursing homes that, that send in their, their votes. Um, and I, so I was been pitched as the repeal Ronan candidate, but I obviously wasn't saying any of that 
mm. personally, you know, in any of, of my literature or of any of the things that any of the messaging that I was working on, because I didn't want to, um, you know, it, well, it wasn't about him. It was about yeah. me and what I could yeah. could bring to the, the Shannon. Um, and yeah, and I really wish that I had had the confidence in myself that the people around me had in me because I, I didn't really. Um, and I think that that's part of, of politics is you, you need to have that. You do need to have the bit of ego to be, you know, to be able to say like, this is, this is why you should vote for me. Um, mm -hmm. And, but I, I really focused on, on registration and I, in the January and February, I did stalls in Grafton street, mm. um, Maynooth. I drove down to Cork for a day, met some Cork activists. Wow. Uh, went to Galway and met some Galway activists, yeah, um, and registered people and gave out registration forms. I would put up on social media that I was going to be there, that if people had their forms filled in, that I would take them and hand deliver them into the NUI office in Marion Street. Mm. Um, and I had spoken to the, the guy in, in NUI as well about that whole process. Um, so usually... I think they registered maybe only a thousand people per year, which is really, really low considering the amount of people that are entitled to the vote that are graduating every year. Um, and and that year, 2019, there was uh, over 4,000 um, registered. Now, obviously, there were other people doing registration drives as well. But to me, that was kind of my contribution, I suppose, because as it got closer to the European election and Senator Alice Mary Higgins was running for Europe, if she had gotten Europe, mm. I, uh, you know, because we, we'd, you know, had the same politics and uh, she was running on the same panel. So when she, when I realized she was definitely running again, I was very conscious of I didn't want to split the vote. Um, I don't sound like a lefty at all, do I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to split the vote. But people were saying to me, you know, they're like, but it's not about splitting the vote. It's people will vote for you. You'll all transfer between mm. each other and, and stuff. So, um, but then you always get the people on Twitter who are talking about the, the left splitting split yeah. the vote. So mm. um, when she didn't get Europe and um, Laura Harmon was also running on the NUI mm. panel. Laura Harmon had run the, the time previous. And I just, I was like, it's, I felt like it was too crowded and, and that, and also Alice Mary is so, so brilliant, such a brilliant legislator that I couldn't, and I, I would have gone to debates with her and said to people, vote for her, give her your number one, <laughs> give me your number two. I, I wouldn't have in all good conscience have ever said to, to vote for, for me over, over Alice Mary after seeing what she, how amazing she was in, in the last Janet. Um, so I withdrew from from the campaign and, and the rest of the money that, that was left over that had been raised, I split it between the abortion rights campaign, abortion support network that are based in England and that are still funding people who, who need abortion access and, and can't afford them. Mm. Um, I can't remember who the third, oh, Alliance for Choice, obviously in the North. Um, they were still fighting for abortion access as well. So I had put it out obviously to the people who donated and supported me and said, yeah. if you're happy, this is this is what I'll do with the money that that's left over. Um, but yeah, that and I think I had yeah I had my website. I had the Bergrogan.ie and I had little uh, business cards and said, but trying to them. come yeah. up, yeah, trying to come up with your own brand and your own messaging and selling yourself is something I found really 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 difficult. 
mm. really difficult. Um, and obviously it's something that people in parties have, um, you know, because they, they have the branding already, they have the, the policies. Mm. Um, so yeah, as independents, it's it's not easy for, for people to, to come forward. And I, I think I was telling you before, so I describe myself as a floating lefty. Right. <laughs> so like I've canvassed during the locals and the generals, I've canvassed with Workers' Party, Independence for Change, Social Democrats, um, Sinn Féin. In the last one, I, I did a bit of canvassing here with Desi because the vote left, transfer left mm. thing was, was really taking on a life of its own. And, and Sinn Féin looked like, you know, they're, they're our biggest opportunity had to have a, a, a big left-led party. So I never wanted to, and I was obviously out with Claire, um, mm. and, and I got behind Alice Mary for the challenge. So... Yeah, so I, I didn't want to commit to any of the yeah. parties. And no, they were all fine with it. They'd welcome me on their canvases, you know. There was never... Because yeah. they could hear me. They knew how passionate I was about the left and about us working together and all of that mm. kind of stuff. And, and that I, I was out there because I believed in, in them and, and, and their politics. Mm. But particularly them as a person within their political party. or You know, like Carly Bailey and the Sockdowns and... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like our uh, Dean Mulligan, Michal Keller. So, yeah, floating lefty, I call yes. myself, which is also why I withdrew from the, the Shannon campaign as a, you know, it, it makes more sense for me to, to get behind yeah. Alice Mary and, and Laura. And obviously Alice yeah. Mary got back in, but Ronan still topped the poll, didn't he? Yeah. Where are you now at the moment? You're involved in Communities Against Racism and is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of came out. Um, so Dublin Northwest, and I think a lot of the regional groups and Dublin groups were like this, that, that some of us were still kind of left um, staying involved in our communities. So um, we had built up such a great network. You know, if there were things coming up, like the Lewis um, consultation the other day, like I'd see things like that and share it into the, the main group um, mm. or like the March for Choice or when there was housing stuff around Raise the Roof. Oh yeah, some yeah. of us leafleting around here and that, um, and then obviously coming up to the general election, um, have to be careful what I say here now. Oh, so as a twins who listens to your podcast, but we had um, a national, we have a national party um, candidate here, right. and this was around the time that obviously across the country and m more recently we've we've seen it, you know, the the um, momentum that that bear gathering, yeah. you know, the the, the mm -hmm. far right and the conspiracy theories and the COVID is a hoax and anti-mask stuff um, but that has been rooted I suppose previously as well in, in Gemma O'Doherty trying to run in, in Fingal for, for Claire Daly's seat um, oh, and yeah. right. the, the work that Fingal Communities Against Racism did so um, we had a meeting some of us met up and we were very luckily supported financially by Unite the Union and Unite in the community to print leaflets. So we got 10,000 leaflets printed. Um, didn't name the candidate at all. We just spoke a bit about the National Party and, mm. and their politics. Uh, 10,000 of them and within two weeks, I think, we had rounded up all the heads again and delivered around as many areas as we could. And mm. like that, it was just... They're just like I, I know I keep saying that they really are brilliant, brilliant people. Mm. And they care, and um, you know we're such a diverse community, inclusive communities. You know we we don't. There's no place for for racism um, in Dublin or West. There's no place for this pitting the working class communities against each other for 
scarce resources. You know, there's yeah. no housing. There's not enough housing because of government policy. There's yeah. not enough. Ho- it's not because of, you know, people coming into the country or, you know, there's health waiting lists because of underfunding during the austerity years. So, you know, we, we were all very cognizant of, of, of coming together. So mm. uh, out of that, then we've obviously seen the rise of the far right and the scary people and the people wrapping wood up in tricolours to hit people over the head Uh, like it's really i'm i'm involved in it but i'm also kind of terrified um because there are a few vocal people around singles um we're at the moment we have a network of of people across the the country um who were trying to come across in that kind of the middle ground way again so mm-hmm. we're looking at difficult conversations and mm. um, so rather than you know so again it's talking outside of your base yeah. um and it's mm. about you know people are seeing friends family members um or friends you know acquaintances colleagues mm. uh cousins uncles whatever sharing kind of conspiracy theory stuff on yeah. facebook um or in mulhuddard back in january and february there was the house the irish first and oh, um, yeah. protests at the the Cluid, um there's 65 houses been built there so people are seeing kind of you know their normal neighbors and and people that they know sharing these kind of messages but that we know are been given to them um by by the far right parties um so instead of going into people and saying you're a racist or you're a fascist that's just going to push them further away towards um people who are listening to them and who seem to be accepting of them and their concerns and their doubts. Mm. So that what we're trying to, to look at is around difficult conversations and how you broach these things with, with, with people and that it's not going to be one conversation that, that will turn somebody around. Um, so it's very early days with the group, but I have that buzz again. I have like, it, like it's just, we have fortnightly meetings um getting stuff done the pace we're going at is it's so fast but it's really really positive um reaching out to people of color members of the traveling community you know this isn't a, a big bunch of, of white activists been like oh yeah you know let's let's save everybody it, it's very much like the, the underpinning principles are around amplifying voices and, and having people affected um included and involved but also in a way that's safe for them, so you've probably seen the stuff that's been happening in, in Bray with Emer O'Neill has been targeted uh, with racist graffiti for speaking out about Black Lives Matter. Um, so we're trying to keep that balance, and it's something that's always in my mind of, you know, not putting anyone in, in harm's way or, or in danger because these are these are not just you know the anti-choice. Now a lot of them are anti-choice, but they're not like you know the little old grannies that we might have been knocking on their doors saying that they. They would have liked to vote yes, but they'll vote no because of the church, because of their, their faith, who were very polite about voting no. You know, these are, there are some really scary people on, on that side. So it's a, it's about the balance of, of, of how we can amplify voices, but but also not expecting anyone to put themselves in, in harm's way. Um, but it's really, it's really positive. It's really yeah, it just, I, I, and I suppose we haven't gone completely public with it yet, mm. um, because ideally what will happen kind of organically will be the regional groups will start to, to regroup and we'll be keeping an eye on what's happening in, in their own areas. Um, so I don't know, you probably saw like in Dublin West, I think 
there's leaflets going out around a, a petition about trying to get Roderick O'Gorman to resign. Yeah. Like the homophobia, you know, the... Just, like, yeah. It's... But it means though that activists are kind of, you know, are being rewoken, I suppose, yeah. to, to, to the threat that that's happening. So we're, you know, the idea is that all of the networks will kind of be able to share information and, and, and work together and and there's obviously you know the izzy kamikaze like there's there's a place for for the brave and mm. brilliant people who, who've been doing that for years and and who want to counter demo i'm not a, a counter demo person even yeah. during the repeal so I, I i i'm not um so it for me and and for some of us it is about kind of having those more moderated um yeah. conversations but there's a place for for all of us in in the, the battle I suppose it's not this isn't about recruiting party members or getting or, or getting votes and I know it's always about getting votes but sometimes it has to be about doing the right thing um, and it's it's too scary at the moment it's too scary and the anti-government sentiment particularly after Golfgate mm. um, they had the one up at the custom house and Loads of us saw people that we know and respect who were definitely not homophobic or anti-choice talking about going in because they didn't know who was organising yeah. the meeting. Um, and it is like that thing of unless you're looking to see who, you know, the yellow vests are and the other ones, I don't know, I won't even bother yeah. them. Um, you know, unless you know that they're the ones organising it, there's a health freedom Ireland now, you know. Mm. Um about masks and yeah it's just the vaccine is going to put a chip in us all you're just like oh my where do you come up with this stuff but then when you read about it um it's really interesting so i was reading conor gallagher's piece at uh, the far right rises the other day the long read and it's really really great and the media just very recently all seem to have kind of covered it at the same time yeah. and apparently the social media of the the, the far right parties and, and the homophobic parties and everything they're all kind of imploding a little bit um so i don't know it's interesting because i think for a while it was about not giving them any airtime and not giving them any oxygen and just kind of ignoring it and pretending it wasn't happening that that was in in february anyway um when we were leafleting and stuff only Sinn Féin took took some of our anti-racism leaflets mm. um you know other people didn't didn't want to Kind of acknowledge even that that he was he was running and he did he did well enough like he did well enough in, in our area which would be worrying in a local election because mm. um, mm. apparently he's a nice lad local lad people were voting for him because they knew him and his mom you know and didn't have a clue about his his, his politics um, mm. but I think now that the media have are exposed and stuff and obviously the journal with the fact check and mm. the fact that they protested outside their office. Um, and there's definitely a misogynistic tone to a lot of it as well. You know, there's there's Actually, female, yeah. yeah, female journalists been been targeted, and even yeah. like humor and and Bray. And female um, politicians as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the surveys that they've done recently as well. So, um, yeah, I think we need to. So, like, what are the chances that there's more fascists and racists than confused people? You know, so you might kind of shine a light on them for, for some of the, the smaller numbers, but chances yeah. are they're finding them on YouTube or, or, or Facebook anyway. And then you have 
genuine people who aren't racist but who are fed up or who are scared or a, a, a couple of um people are saying that about the pandemic and stuff you know how we're all in this state of anxiety so you are more likely to to look for kind of community gatherings and stuff and, and yeah. we're just calling everyone fascists and racists they're, they're not going to they're not going to talk to us Thank you.